Hello, welcome to Minding Your Mind, all about your mind and how it works, mental illness and mental health. With me is Professor Ian Hickey, psychiatrist and co-director of the Brain and Mind Centre at the University of Sydney. We all have moods, right? Good moods, bad moods. Perhaps we're more prone to them when we're young. Moods come, they go. Who knows why? What causes our mood? Uh, sometimes it's changes that happen in the world. I got a bad mark in my English exam or I got told off at work. I feel bad. I got some praise. I feel good. I got a new job. I feel good. Is it also about stuff that happens independent of the external world in our brain? Why do some people seem temperamentally to be more moody, more prone to ups and downs, whereas others, you know, pretty much flatline? Or are those people that seem to be completely stable just better at controlling or, or suppressing, internalizing their moods? Do we get less moody as we get older? Can we learn to control or at least influence our moods? How do we cheer ourselves up when we're in a bad mood? Ian, what causes my moods? So, James, we have to go a bit technical here. Good. We're going to make a distinction here between affect your emotional response mm. in situations, and mood. Now, the analogy we use all the time mm. is between the weather today and the season we're in. Right. Okay, so the weather today can be sunny and beautiful or it could be pouring rain. That's affect. That's that's the moment-to-moment or day-to-day variation in your emotional responsiveness. Right. Okay. Now, that varies a lot. Yeah. Okay, and, and it varies a lot in relation to events, as you were suggesting. Something yeah. good happens, you feel better. Something bad happens, you feel worse. That normal affect, that's very important that that functions. It's the emotional underwriting to everything that happens every day. Mm. right? Because I think what you described is what most people, certainly I, think of as mood. Right. So I'm going to come to the second bit. Mm. What season are we in? Right. So at the moment, we're doing this in winter. We expect every day, it might be sunny, but generally speaking, we expect it to be a bit cold. Mm. <laughs> and and that moves, of course, seasonally, that mm. kind of moves. So there's an underlying kind of thing that's sitting there, and that underlying thing affects a lot of what's happening day to day. But people often don't realise that, that their mood, this underlying thing, is influencing these moment-to-moment changes. Oh. Now, that's mood. And the brain processes that sit around that don't flick up and down. Well, normally, <laughs> don't flick up and down mm. all the time. Or you don't normally, to use the analogy, have summer in the middle of winter, right? right. We don't normally have 40-degree days in the middle of July in yeah. Sydney, <laughs> right? And if we did, we think that's unusual. There's something not right about that. Mm. And it persists in a particular way. So the, the mood itself is unusual, it's not easily explained. And then we'll come to moodiness, rapid changes in that. Yes, right. So we've talked before how that, that kind of seasonal uh, definition of mood, if that persists for a particular time, maybe uh, several weeks, uh, uh, a down mood, that's when you're starting to or get- Or a high one. Yeah, right. Well, if it's a down one, that's starting We're to get- We're going to call it depression. We're going to call it depression. It yeah. persists- that person is stuck, mm. and it's affecting the day-to-day variation. There is day-to-day variation, but boy, you know, they seem to be stuck so in the winter of their moods. So let's talk about initially, we'll get to all those things, what most people describe as moodiness, Some, and that is 
very rapid fluctuations in affect, in affect over yep. the course yep. affect affect over the course of a day. Some people say Melbourne, to take your weather analogy, can have four seasons in one day, and so can three-year-olds. Maybe is that something that those quick fluctuations seem to be more common in five-year-olds and twenty-five-year-olds and forty-five-year-olds? Is that true? It's more. It's pretty normal when you're a little kid. Yeah. So the affect bit. I mean, interestingly, moodiness, this sort of mood thing, really isn't that obvious in humans till puberty and onwards. So data affect is, changes in you know, right. particular things is pretty kind of obvious. But moodiness has this wider spectrum of possibilities. Yeah. <laughs> you know, most kids are sort of chirpy or angry or upset moment to moment. They're mainly affect. Yeah. <laughs> They're mainly that stuff going all over the place and mainly in response to what's going on. Is it? It's not internal. Not mostly. It's, ma- mainly it's mainly an external Something relation. bad happened, I feel bad. I mean, that, Something good happened, I feel good. Yes. We'll just put aside what we've previously said about temperament. The temperament of some kids is a bit different. But yes. yes. But you can see the moment-to-moment bit. Now, the affect thing is, therefore, appropriate or not to the situation. So, you know, someone said someone really nice about you and you smile, you feel good. <laughs> good. You know, someone says a really horrible yeah. thing about you, something really difficult happened, you're sad, you're upset. So your affect is appropriate. It's, it's, it's moving in relation to external events. But, but still, would it be fair to say a five-year-old is much more prone to those variations in affect yeah. as a result of what happens yeah. in the outside world, yeah. whereas by when you're older, you learn, okay, someone just said something nice about me, but I'm not going to let that go to my head. Some, someone just said something nasty about me that's kind of... It's not. It affects me a bit, but not as much as when I was twelve. Well, also what I'm saying is, there's other stuff going on in your own head, which is having a bigger effect. Ah, oh, okay. So now that we've put seasonality in, right? Mm. There's stuff going on day to day. So you might be reacting still, but it's pretty obvious to everybody else. <laughs> there's other stuff going on. Uh. Not that teenagers are ever in a bad mood or a good mood, but you can see <laughs> they might be reacting. But you know, the way they're reacting seems to be influenced by something else the mood they're in. Yeah, but when you say mood, I it's, mean, it's not I would a, more say affect. Like, well, I, I mean, I, I live with teenagers and they- Do you think everything, all their variations are explained by reactions to what's happened? No, but no. I don't think, you know, if I graph them over a month, as yes. you were saying, this long-term thing, one month would be all what that different days? from hang another. On, back up definitely here. days. Yeah, but- it's three or four or hours. Three or four days. Well, we'll come to moodiness and unstable mood. This is because I think where you're rushing back to is moodiness, like, like where mood instability comes in. Change of affect. So if you have We've a lot, got to be of, careful with our terms here. We don't. Yeah, I know exactly. A the listeners and B man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think we just just to back up here. So affect in, in a normal situation, mood has slower variations in what happens. Yep. Gotcha. And you might have a more you know I mean a general kind of mood that you're kind of in you know a particular phase of your life, stage of your life, whatever else. Mm. But you're still reacting normally, and it's pretty explicable. The changes in your affect from moment to moment are appropriate to the situation and pretty understandable mm. in particular situations, you know, because underlying it, your basic mood's pretty stable. Yep. What becomes obvious is when, when the mood is altered first, like being depressed or something, mm. suddenly everything that happens is being underwritten mm. by that kind of season mm. of depression. Right. What What's really Oh, I see. So, yeah. so for example – Someone who lives with someone might say, gosh, they, they're moody at the moment because 
like three times today, tiny little things set them off for half an hour. Then they came back to normal. And they might not recognise that that is actually – the tide has risen or lowered, which, whichever way you want to go. The tide has lowered, so their overall thing is – their overall mood is worse. And so those little things that you notice, there's more of them because the, the, the set point is higher. Has changed. Gotcha. Yeah. Call it the set point. The set point has changed. Yeah. Now, we like the set tide point. Tide has gone out. Tide's gone out. We like the set point to be stable and, if you yeah. like, mid-tide. Yeah. Because it's very predictable then. Well, a bit above mid-tide. <laughs> Interesting you should say that. People who have – this is completely off topic now – well, not really, bipolar disorder, yeah. right, generally like to be a little bit high. Well, yeah. Because everything's better. Like, well, why would you choose to be a little bit low or even normal? I'd doesn't like everyone little, want that? Would you like to – and we have this discussion all the time with people I look after who have bipolar disorder – uh, Ian, can we agree to have the set point run a little high? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's so much more fun. Right. And then everything I react to is better. Yeah. Yeah, and I do more things. And do you agree? Sex, spend, active, you know. Do you do that? Um, they do it. Right. With I, their medication. I, well, by, yes, if they can do it. Well, of course, if you have a very unstable mood, it's not so easy to actually get the set point to agree. But okay. certainly that's what people would choose. Yeah. And we've discussed – Previously, most people have an optimistic bias. Most of us choose. That's right. In a sense, if we can be in a better mood, if we could choose to be in a slightly better mood, have the set point run, we, most of us would choose it Blood because eyes. we'd be less upset by the horrible things and we'd enjoy the other things more. Yeah. But, but you're quite right. Other people would detect then that the affect or the changes in everything have a certain pattern to them. Mm. While, and it seems to be driven by the thing they've noticed. So he is more angry all the time. He's more yeah, irritable yeah, all the time. Yeah. Something that he's, a mood has set in mm. which is affecting – the way he is responding affectively to lots of stuff. And there's a pattern here. There's a pattern. So it's not actually what's happening all the time. There's something else going on. Okay. So what you, we've talked about the external events affecting affect, momentary yeah. changes, but these seasonal changes, longer lasting, m underlying mood, what affects them? Mm. $64 question. Yeah. So the whole interest in what brain circuits, what brain chemistry, mm. What stage of brain development? Like it isn't really a feature of kids, but it is a feature of humans from teenage years onwards. What is it about brain development? What is it developed about the frontal lobe developments, the moody circuits, and the brain chemistry of those moody circuits? Hence the interest in, as we've discussed before, monoamines, serotonin, noradrenaline, dopamine. What is it about those circuits, those chemicals, that sets mood, i.e., we think those things do. <laughs> that is, we think mm. there's a brain circuitry, we think there's a brain chemistry that regulates that like the regulation of seasons. Well, now, normally, it's to land us in a good set point, a good midpoint yep. from which you can, from which your affect, your emotional responsiveness, can, if you like, take its cues to be appropriate. Mm. But when it goes off or when it is off, so we've discussed the obvious one or two, drag down into depression, everything is miserable, person doesn't react, etc. Mm. If you go the other way in bipolar disorder and it's very high, you know, everything, everything's a ball, everything's, right. a, everything's a blast. Nothing upsets me and pick away. Clearly, we recognize those mood states as being very shifted, set point. Mm. But you started this episode really with something else in mind, which is moodiness. What about if it's just unstable? Yeah. What about if it's shifting all the time? Many people would say, in my particular profession, that's actually much harder. Do we understand it? But also, its implications are harder. Because very hard, because the distinction I was making at the start between mood and affect starts mm. to disappear. Because people's emotional response is all over the place mm. at different times and mm. very unpredictable. Mm. In various. So we would say the set point has become very unstable. 
Yeah, right. And therefore, the emotional responsiveness, the affective bit, has become itself unstable. You do not know today, <laughs> in the absence of seasons, imagine, or seasons that appear to be have become chaotic, mention climate change here, you know, it's very hard to know it's going to rain today or it's going to be burning sunshine mm. today. It's very hard to know we'll have drought tomorrow, you it's know. It's pretty scary for people hanging out with people like that. It's scary for that. You walk yeah. into home, is, is it going to be a good day or a bad day? Well, have We're you ever work? walked in with – and it, it is very hard because yeah. we rely on a degree of predictability with people. Yeah, we do. Right? If they come in and they're not like that at all and well, the day things. after they're completely different again, you go, hang on. And from an interpersonal relationship point of view, that is extremely difficult. Mm. And also work relationship. Yeah. yeah if so, you're working closely with someone. Yeah. And one day it's, you know, some days diamonds and the other day they're deeply, obviously, unhappy. Right. So I had a great discussion recently of uh, some very senior person in an organisation who was described by everyone else in the organisation as moody. Yeah. And their point was being made. Well, most workplaces probably have someone like that. If you're in a very senior executive position, though, and all the people who work with you describe you as moody, right, what they meant was he's very hard to work with. Yeah. Because we don't know whether today, top of the world, best idea we've had in 15 generations, you're all great people, tomorrow you're all sacked. Mm. <laughs> you go, actually, it's not going to do much with us. His mood is unstable. So what's going on there? Right. We don't know. No, well, we – now, we know increasingly about – that those set what regulates those set points the circuitry, the frontal parts of the brain and the and the side the emotional parts of the brain and their regulatory circles uh, circles circuits mm. they are circles <laughs> they go around circuits and okay. they go around and we do know that certain of those chemicals I was naming earlier on are related to that or at least manipulating those circuits sometimes stabilizes those things but it leads to one of my favourite topics mood stabilizers. Yeah. Right? Are there psychological or medical therapies that are really good at stabilizing mood? Mm. Hmm. Are they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, in bipolar disorder, lithium, we got one. Yeah. Australian invention. Well, actually, natural, there are naturally occurring mineral. That are called mood stabilizers. Right. So, a lot of the others that we now call mood stabilizers, what they all share in common is they're also anti epileptic drugs. Right. 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 So ones that you may have heard about in terms of lamotrigine or sodium valproate or other common, which we developed for epilepsy, mm. actually are now used a lot in people with very unstable moods mm. in particular ways. So what they so we talked about atypical depression atypical recently. Depression. That's a bit of that. A bit of that. Down. Got that. And other mood states, they're all- Do they work? To some degree in some people, isn't it? Isn't that just a half? You know, I knew I was going to say that, but, normal you know. Answer. Yeah. Normal answer. Well, that's also followed by trial and error. Yeah. Different of those compounds work differently well or differentially mm. well in different people. So there's a lot of trial and error. We don't – so you, the way you started this, do we know why? We don't know why in various people mm. it happens. Now, it suggests – it does suggest – well, well – in younger people, it suggests immaturity of those brain circuits. So go back to early adolescence, right, where there's a lot of this up and down going on. Or might happen in terms of other kind of cycling. You know, young women might have experienced this in relation to their menstrual cycle in various ways. Or it may have happened in – it may happen in, in fact happen in relation to seasonality or other factors. Mm. There's a brain maturation thing going on in early adolescence. So we think part of it's an immaturity thing that tends to – this sounds so good for adults, tends to be better after the age of 25. Right. You grow out of it. 
it settles down. Like a lot of other other things. Now that's interesting because a lot of other things like epilepsy and a lot of other some other brain maturation problems also can settle down. Right. When the brain is mature. Mature is such a bad word. It's got it's finished its developmental period. I don't it's, think it's a bad word. It's, okay. Good. It's developed. Oh, it's not meant to be finished be, growing. It's not it's finished growing. It's not meant to be pejorative. It's put all the cables on, it's put all mm. the things in it's put everything in place. And some of these little problems it's had on the way. You know, like finishing your house where the builder comes back and finishes stuff. <laughs> some, some of the some of the bits that didn't quite get mm. done in quite the right order right. get sorted. I mean it makes sense chemically, but it also makes sense in a well Maturing. So maturation. Type of thing. So why I think it's good is a maturation model. I see with a lot of people who say all the brain development's done in the first thousand days of life, or two thousand days of life, or first year of life, and I go, no, it isn't. Yeah. Yes, of course, the first year of life matters a lot, or the first five years. That's all true. But there's other stuff. But actually, a second big period of that is in adolescence and young people, hmm. and particularly the bit around wiring around emotion. Hmm. So setting these patterns, driven by hormonal and brain maturational ch- changes during the teenage period. So if you're prone to rapid fluctuations in mood, again, you've got to be aware of it because you might just think, we talked about denial recently, you might just think you're you're behaving utterly appropriately to the external stimuli. You know, my dad said something and I screamed at him because it was such a stupid and ridiculous thing to say. So I guess the first thing is being aware of it and um, you'd probably say – Ask trusted people you live with to give you a very gentle indication of whether they think that's the case and try not to scream at them. Is there anything you can do to kind of regulate it apart from taking medications that may or may not work? Yeah, so go to the psychological bit first. And in fact, for a lot of young people and people who have very unstable moods, this is where another one of our episodes about types of therapies, so-called DBT, dialectical behavioural therapy, mm, yeah, yeah. is about yeah, is about actually learning to recognise that your moodiness results in being easily provoked, easily upset, mm-hmm. rapidly changing, and to recognise that. So you need strategies. So how does that work? Well, it focuses on the emotionality rather than the rationality. Cognitive behavioural therapy, yeah. our, our personal favourite, mm. focuses on the cognitions. Yeah. The DBD bit focuses on strategies to actually try and control that emotional like what? arousal. We have to learn what it is and to, in a sense, de-stress in the moment, if you like. So they, are they similar to those strategies you've shared many times with anxiety and other things of deep breathing, uh, mindfulness, meditate, relaxation strategies? To a degree, yeah. but the first bit's more important is to recognise that the emotionality, the unstable mood bit's right. driving it. Here it comes. Here it comes. Yeah. Tidal wave. Mm. I'm being overwhelmed. Right. Got to step back. Know? Got to engage in a strategy. Got to take control of the emotionality. And what? But how, what, what might a strategy be to take control of the emotionality? So people develop different strategies. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they are my favourite. They're behavioural things. So they may involve. They may involve relaxation. They may involve breathing. They may actually involve actually getting out of a particular situation. They okay. may involve. The, whatever the strategy you go for, has to actually result in bringing the emotionality. We, we often talk about the arousal of anxiety yeah. sort of thing. So those things work in that way for those people with very high arousal. That, Here, that mean, you know, elevated heartbeat, rapid yeah, breathing, yeah, yeah. feeling. Tacky. So there's a degree of that because mm. body's only got a few tricks. Yeah. But here it's to recognise really that this sort of emotional surge, this mood thing, mm. which is not the same as kind of anxiety arousal that you can understand, is actually 
driving you to do something. Now, in a lot of situations, it drives people to do other things like self-harm, mm. engage in other behaviours and, and, you know, reckless and dangerous kind of behaviours in a, in a different way to anxiety. So we might return to this on another occasion as mm. to uh, further elaboration of that. But there are different kinds of uh, psychological therapies. However, they do depend on what you earlier said, recognising it. Yeah. Now- it's not that easy with a moody person <laughs> to yeah. say you're moody. You're a bit, bit moody. You're moody. <laughs> That's a crazy. I am not. That is very. I am not a moody person. We have this argument in my house all the time. Ian, you're moody. No, I'm not. <laughs> oh, you're a bit moody. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I recognise, I hope we all do, that we can be in different moods. Mm. And sometimes we're in different moods. For certain periods, we're a more stressful period of our life or yeah. something, you know, other things going on and different times, you can be recognised that it's your own mood that's driving certain things. Perhaps provoked by some external stimuli. Well, perhaps, yeah, by-, by In no, a traffic jam, frustrated. Oh, no, I was thinking more circumstances in life, you know, difficult periods in your mm. life, works, relationships, other things, you know. So I was talking more about an instant event. You're talking more about more long-term yeah, or, uh, yeah. underlying causes. Yeah, and so, you know, if there's a period in your life wherever, you know, it is having, and therefore it's affecting your responses in a day-to-day sort of basis. Mm. Even if it's over a few days, even if it's over whatever else, but it's to recognise that there's a there's a mood affecting what you're doing, right? In pertinent right ways, and, and yeah. what's a good way? Yeah, I'd say when that sense, I'd say yeah. Do I have moods? You bet. Yeah, because things cause me distress. Things cause me to be at other times. You know, when life's very enjoyable, when you're doing certain things, and as a consequence, I'm likely to be brighter and chirpier. <laughs> you know, so so. Your strategy often for when you're feeling underlying, you know, there's stress in your life or whatever, is go do something fun, uh, particularly so, and something active. Active and fun would be the best. For moods, are there similar things? If you know, if you can feel that hanging around. Well, there are two things, and I think we've discussed this before about active problem solving. If, for example, let's yeah. just say, I don't know, anyone would ever say this in my life, but apparently people do. Look, you've been in that mood for a few days now or whatever else. What's up? You know, what's up? What, what, what is the problem? What, what's the actual issue here, interpersonal or mm. work or whatever? There's a problem-solving kind of If there aspect. is a particular issue. If, there, if it has a identify. context. If it has a context. Mm. Now, it's always easier to say it does have a context. <laughs> it isn't just me. It's not, right. just, it's not just the mood I'm in. It's the government's fault. It's a, you know, whatever. <laughs> Whatever's responsible, that's what it is. Yeah. The organisation I work for, yeah, the, people right. I live with, the people I live with, whatever. Whereas, but if you can put, if you can identify, well, if, that, if that's true, I mean, if that is actually a working hypothesis and that's got a fair amount yeah. of truth, then move to problem solving. So yeah. Don't just stay in a bad mood. Hmm. Move to resolution what of the thing. Do? What can be done in that particular kind of thing? Because it's affecting, you know, how enjoyable life yeah. is. You know, okay. What if you can't either can't identify anything, or the thing you can identify is unable to be solved? So here's the tricky bit in the in the treatment world I live in. Right? It's not often exp- everyone says there's an explanation. Hmm. I am not depressed. It's because of the organisation I work in. Right. I'm not depressed. Reaction. I'm not depressed. It's the terrible people I live with. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Funny, they all think you should be here. <laughs> you know? But anyway, let's, you know, so often getting people to try and reflect on, sure, that there may have been a whole range of circumstances that might contribute to it, but, you know, the, your mood is persisting in a way that's causing problems. The one that's really difficult here is the rapidly changing mood. It's the moodiness. Mm. If the moodiness is moving all over the place, the instability one, which is sort of where we were, 
is really hard, and particularly if it's resulting in really bad things, mm. you know, either being played out against others, anger, aggression, or being played out against self, self-harm and difficulty and mm. loss of sort of stuff, is trying to regulate that. So going back to where we were a minute ago, the behavioural strategies, recognising it first mm. and then saying, okay, okay, I've got to try and look at this thing that my own that is actually uh, playing with me. <laughs> it's got an instability yeah, about right. it, you know. I'm a bit prone to being all over the place. Yeah. So the feedback loops of that partly starts with awareness of that and to try and regulate that a bit more. But and, I, and to be a little and to be a little less blaming of everybody else. But but don't you think I mean when I feel in a bad mood, if I get out of the house and go for a walk for half an hour, I'm always better when I come back. I just so, stride along as hard, fast as I can, blast music, think about how terrible everyone else is, and then by the time I get back, I've sort of stopped thinking about that and I feel more at peace. Correct. You have a well-behaved mood centre. Right. But but is that a good strategy? Just yes. get out and go for a walk? Yes. Yes. But your mood centre, you know, your mm. frontal Olympics, you, you, the bit we're talking about, the, chem, the uh, biomechanics of that that's driving it in your head is responsive to those things. Now it is. Didn't you say <laughs> <laughs> well, you've done something else. Sorry. You've learnt what works for you. Yeah. Now, that's actually really important. Perhaps we don't emphasise that enough. Mm. I think people need to learn that, right? Personally, I prefer to withdraw from some situations. I mean, exercise is a good example or whatever else to allow you to reset that thing. What do you mean by withdraw? Just go into your room? No, but if you're, well, let's, let's say you're angry and uh, engaged in argument and mm-hmm. just, you know, just persisting in the thing and winding the thing up more and more and more. No, just get away. So you need to break that pattern. Yeah. You know, stop that particular thing. Being aware that tomorrow may well be different to today. Mm. So let's not go and trash everything today. <laughs> Right. Mm. <laughs> go to sleep. Thinking a bit more long term. Yeah, go to sleep. Do th- tomorrow I'll go exercise. Tomorrow I'll go to work. Different things will happen. Mm. I'll be in a di- I will be in a different mood. Sleep affects your mood. I, I can do that, but Neil Cole, who we've had on this yes. program, has bipolar disorder. Here's some marvelous expressions, Neil. We've got to get back. Here's some great jokes too. <laughs> I was reading one of his most recent plays, Rush Out and See It, Shorey in Melbourne. He has some great expressions and he said, you know, it's a like kind of understanding when you've got unstable mood that it is like the weather, right? It'll blow over. You're in a fog one day. You just can't see your way out of it. You're, in, you're stuck in a mood. Mm. But there's a fair chance it'll blow over by tomorrow. Yeah. Even if you don't know why, even if you can't make it, mm. it will move. And knowing that, and he knows that from experience, mm. limits the damage it does today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be his better self tomorrow. Yeah. Now, not a lot of us, I don't think, get to that degree of insight about ourselves. Well, you particularly said, when we feel bad. Yeah, when we feel bad, we feel bad. The moment feels like yeah. it's going to last forever. You said an important thing. You are aware of your moodiness or mood, <laughs> your mood, that there's not other stuff. It's something about you that's driving this. And you need to get out and do something. Yeah. So I'm in the problem solving. You're in the get out and do something. Mm. But I'd agree with the get out and do something. I'm, as you know, I'm the go do stuff sort of guy. I'm the yeah, kind of don't dwell, don't dwell on it. Go do the thing. So, I, I mean, <laughs> as you know, James, I hate exercise, but it does work. <laughs> But even a nice- I like engagement with people, right? Yeah. I like engagement with people. I generally speaking, if I'm in this whatever sort of mood, if I engage with people I like and whatever else, the feedback loop associated that's very strong. It's very tempting to get into alcohol, maybe even for some drugs when they're in a bad mood. You bet. But but I would say, okay, before you tell me it's a bad idea, uh, if I'm in a bad mood and I go out for a, a few drinks with friends and I feel the uh, effects of alcohol. It makes me feel 
Good. And suddenly all the things I'm in a bad mood around seem trivial and stupid. So uh, it's not always a bad thing. As I sit in my office and discuss with people endlessly, my drugs or your drugs? Mm. (laughs) And we have a long debate often. My drugs are better than your drugs. Yeah, right. Many people say exactly what you said. Yeah. Alcohol is disinhibiting, right? right. Interestingly, what's disinhibiting, it's also somewhat sedative, right? Kind of interestingly. So it relieves anxiety and whatever and somewhat disinhibited. So actually more people say more, they engage more. Mm. And you said another thing, though, which I think is critical to that, with friends. Drinking alcohol yeah, on your own. Yeah, not alone. Well, you say not alone, but what a lot of people who are in trouble with their mood do, oh. drink alone. Right. So and often when I'm dealing with people with alcohol, we're over first rules, Don't drink no it. drinking on your own. <laughs> Okay, drink it with friends, and sometimes friends are helpful. You've had enough now. You know, stop. But more importantly, the social interaction. Mm. So, yeah, that's a good example. I mean, most of us, you know, dinner out with friends, going out with people, having a few drinks with friends, you're attributing it to the alcohol. I'm saying the whole social interaction. I prefer mm. social interaction as a mood-lifting activity yeah, right. to exercise if I have a choice. If I have a choice, I don't have a choice. You know, so find out what works. And socialisation is one. But generally, something you find fun and enjoyable might be drawing. And it might be more isolatory. It might go walk on your own. It might be go listen to a podcast like this on your own. It might be Mm. go listen to music. I find many, many people talk about listening to music. Music, music, music is moodiness. Yeah. Put on some, an up playlist. Some go and put on French films. Some go and engage. Uh, films are really interesting. Often people are books. Some people can go read a book. They can disappear into another mm. world yeah. and their mood lifts. Their takes mood you away, changes. It, it takes it shifts the mood. Mm. Do you ever do that on planes? I quite like watching films on planes. I find them quite mood altering. You know, you disappear yeah, right. into this other yeah. world, detached from your own world, and yeah. you know. As people know, I'm a bit prone to watching certain kinds of rom coms and other things. I just like the oh, mood, yeah. I just like the Have mood. A cry. I just like yeah. the mood lifting. I like the emotionality of it. Mm. I like certain sort of particular things because it shifts. Yeah. It shifts my internal mood state. Right? I know I've got one. <laughs> you know, lots of people think they haven't got one. That they're in, they deny that they're in denial about their mood state. Yeah, I don't, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not moody. So now in, in our house, in my world, because we're in this business. It's the common ac- the most common accusation is you're moody, <laughs> you're in a bad mood. We're, we're all just recognising there's this other thing beyond what people say that often is influencing what they're doing. Yeah, and it's mood. It's their mood. It's the emotional t- tone. It's the emotional temper that they're in. And so if you know your own and how to deal with your own, you've got the advantage, James. Though probably just hypothetically of one that is responsive to the things that you know. You mentioned exercise and mm. you mentioned other things, uh, having yeah. a drink with friends. Yeah. You can list three or four things that really work, mm. right? I can say um, if you ask young people, that, I think music almost finishes at the top. Put on the right song. Do you have any favourite songs? You know? mm, yeah, that does work. I was with a bunch of 60-year-olds recently. Oh, my God, how embarrassing. You know, Bruce Springsteen, Bob Dylan, <laughs> all these things come out. They're not really. Yeah. Yeah. Worse, Abba comes out. You know, and their mood shifts, mm. right? You know, but most young people talk about, you know, and there's, you know, the moodiness of their music. It's true. Mm. It's shifting that nonverbal, non-cognitive thing that's underpinning otherwise a lot of behaviour. But if you're not aware of it or it's actually unstable, it's really hard. So one of the most biggest therapeutic challenges we have in the area I work at the moment is actually for people, particularly young people with very unstable moods, during that brain maturation phase, what helps? Do different kinds of psychological therapies like DBT really help? Do different kinds of medicines, Mm. like the way in which we're using these sort of anti-epileptic drugs as mood stabilizers, do they really work? 
And try and have people not actually engage in too much of what they otherwise do, alcohol, cannabis, and other substances. Yeah. So what is the relationship between this sort of moodiness or rapid changes in affect and depression and anxiety? Big overlap? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Big overlap with other things. Big overlaps with self-harm. People try to relieve. So people engage in other strategies to relieve the distress, one of which is self-harm. Most commonly alcohol and other drug use. Mm. Sometimes certain kinds of risk-taking just to get out of this mood, you know, kind of to take risks to just try and be different. So so in some ways... And then, the intention isn't bad. I want to do something different. I to can't get out sit of in my, this. I can't stay in this yeah, mood. I've got I to, do, to something. do something. I've got to do something. Yeah. But they're not going for a walk. They're doing something that is potentially more risky. Harmful, yeah. And then the association between that, particularly as a teenager, and the drift into more serious mood disorders, mm. yes. So if you've studied teenagers, no, well, this is the, this is the hard going forward bit. So moodiness as teenagers is extremely common. Only a certain proportion of whom, minority, will ever go on to have a mood disorder, mm. if you like. But of those who've got mood disorders, they, the, the vast majority had extreme moodiness as teenagers. So how do you define a mood disorder? So somebody goes on to persistent depression, right, or persistent bipolar disorder, I or see. goes on to really have yeah. one of those things, what we would call one of the major mental disorders of once or another as an adult. Mm. Or as a late teenager and adult, something that really you know is results in a persistent mood, I see. abnormal mood state. And yeah. So, what do you professionals say to a teenager who who you know tells you that they've been self harming because they just want to do something to get out of a bad mood? Do you say, well, instead of that, why don't you do this? Or what do you say? Yes, yes, we do both. Bad idea. You're getting entirely, as you said, wanting to get out of the state entirely understandable. Mm. Got to find a different strategy. Yeah. When you are feeling like that, got to find something else. And what if they say, well, the only thing that really makes me feel different is, is probably the only thing they've um, Well, it's probably the only thing they've tried. So what should they try? Well, the exercise thing you said, mm-hmm. so the things you've settled on as adults, exercise, engagement with others, mm. sport. I mean, my favourite one, and I say this again, I say this in a slightly gender-specific way, lots of boys are encouraged to continue to be physically active and play sport when they're moody, <laughs> when they're difficult, right. having trouble with their sleep-wake cycles and whatever. In, uh, historically in Australia, lots of boys have been kept in team sport and other stuff <laughs> during those difficult periods. Very good for their moods. Good, yeah. Good for their sleep-wake cycle, which is a contributing factor, and their moods. Lots of girls, unfortunately, historically in Australia, have dropped out of that. Right. Just at the time when they needed to do it. Mm. Do you ever see a, if you go around Australian sports fields on a Saturday morning, you'll see thousands of little kids under the age of 12 yeah. playing every boys and girls doing everything. You come back at 15, historically, you see stacks of boys. Right. You go, where are the girls' teams? <laughs> oh, they stopped at mm. 12 or 13 and they weren't doing the rough and tumble games anymore and whatever else. Just proportion. Now, this is changing in a good way. More girls are being encouraged to persist mm. with those things. I'm just going to say, from a mood regulation point of view, this it's is good. critical because it ties into another thing we've discussed a lot: sleep wake cycles, which yeah. have a lot to do with moodiness too. Right. So during this period of development, 
Actually, so so actually, really serious things like engaging in team sport or engaging in exercise or going to the gym and other sorts of things, lots of people in this situation will not have tried. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, that's that's sort of the consequence. The cause, the moodiness, is to go. Actually, what is driving that desire to self harm or do those mm-hmm. things? That unstable mood thing. Now, most teenagers haven't got a clue. I mean, we, we've just spent the last half an hour trying to define terms here, and what are we talking about here? And go, huh? What do you mean I'm moody? <laughs> I'm not moody. My dad's impossible to live with. My mum's awful. The kids at school are terrible. And I don't like the way I look and I don't like the way I am and, mm. you know, blah, 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 blah. Go, hang on, hang on. Yeah, 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 okay. But is there something about you? Have you just, you know, become a person who has what we all have, mood, mm. but needs to learn to understand that, recognize that, and as, as your brain develops and as you grow and whatever, that to become, can we regulate that? Yeah. Can we regulate that through exercise, sleep-wake cycle, uh, behavioral approaches, and if necessary, medication? Very good. Very good. Very interesting. Did we, so, did we get to the end of that? Do you think we understand it now? A bit? Yeah, well, well my takeouts are... You're looking a bit confused. Yeah, well, it's a complex subject. Be aware of your moods. Yes, like be aware of them, and and if you can get some gentle feedback from those close to you, um, and don't be too defensive about hearing it, and accept that they happen, and work out what strategies might work for you. For me, it's going for a big long walk, blasting music, some sort of exercise, but it, you know anything that takes you away. From yourself, really, you know, involves you with other people. Shifts the mood. Shifts the mood. Quickly. Yeah. Your favourite TV show, even though you're passive and lying there, if you can immerse yourself in it, that's really, it. Get I, in the sun. Get in the damn the sun. The sun. I get out in the sun. I mean, I go for a long walk in the sun. I love it. Mm. Just on the teenager one, because this is really an issue for teenagers, maybe we return to this another time. Mm. That The one that teenagers themselves choose the most in a lot of surveys is music. Get the headphones. Everyone's got them these days. I love it. Go get your favourite soundtrack. Go get your favourite whatever. And if you know, it's really interesting, if you know that, you know, 10 minutes of that shifts your mood, you know, then that's kind of sounds simple. It's hard to be grumpy to Justin Timberlake's can't stop the feeling. <laughs> Hard to be grumpy to that. Um, get, get a playlist, grumpy playlist. Get the playlist. Put all up-tempo songs not the that ones, just make Not too much tap. Nick Cave, okay? No. Not, not too much no. or for the older people, not too much Leonard Cohen going the other way or no. whatever. Yeah. For us, I mean, for us, it's a bit more Bruce Springsteen, get up and be active. Bit of Kanye. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever does it for you, get the playlist. Springo. Uh, ABBA. I mean, it's hard to be grumpy to Dancing Queen, isn't it? <laughs> It, it's very hard to be grumpy to Dancing Queen. Even you know, me smiles at the thought. Yeah. Yes. Get into some of that 80s glam rock, Spandau. I mean, you know, everyone has different tastes, mm. obviously. Well, but, there but, are some amongst younger people and whatever else. People do prepare playlists and they share playlists. I and do. Whatever else. Yeah. So for younger people, that sort of stuff. And I think I say this again with younger people in mind, sharing strategies that do work. There's a big issue at the moment that – uh, things like Instagram, social media, whatever, it may just be about sharing bad behaviours. They can be about sharing good They can be about too. sharing what works to, to get you out of the, that mood, which is dangerous, back into where it's better to be. 
Exactly. Well said. If you've got any questions, comments, if you'd like to suggest further topics for us, send us an email at mindingyourmind2, mindingyourmind, numeral2, at gmail.com. And uh, Minding Your Mind is supported by Future Generation Global and the generous philanthropic donations from families who support ongoing research into youth mental health. Thank you to them. Further help's available from Headspace, Beyond Blue, Head to Health and Lifeline. Just Google them or you can call Lifeline on 13114.